see, we're going to go to Mark 4, verse 35 to 41. It's one of my favorites. It's a miracle story. It is Jesus calms the storm. So let's read. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. I love that part. Sorry, I'm just going to take a pit stop. Leaving the crowd behind. Isn't it so true that we need to leave the crowd behind often to actually meet with the Lord? Uh, and then we come just as we are. So there were other, also other boats with him. A furious squall, it's a word we don't use very often, but it means storm. A furious storm came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. Amen. So we're reading here that the word of God is not just a storybook. This is a story that we often read, isn't it, to the kids? This is a story that we love. I used to act it out even. Maybe that says more about me. What I want you to remember is that the Bible is the truth. It is God's word, and when it is spoken, it doesn't come back empty. I want you to remember in your mind that everything in the Bible is not just a list of rules or a list of things that we have to obey, but it is his word and it is true. And we're reading here that these disciples were in this boat with Jesus. They had Jesus with him, and even they, in amongst the storm, kind of forgot who he was, who they were, and where the power lies. They kind of forgot. They panicked. You can imagine. You can hear it in their voice. Don't you care? Don't you care that we're all going to drown? You can imagine it, can't you? I like to put myself in the story, so come with me on this journey, if you will. Let's put ourselves in the shoes of the disciples. Here they are. They're responsible for the safety of Jesus. They've been going town to town with him as he has preached and teached the good news. And they're responsible for making sure he has food, making sure he's rested. And you can imagine, if, if I was one of the disciples, this would be me for sure. I'm looking after Jesus. I'm making sure he's okay. No, no, you can't come and see him because he's very busy right now. He's quite tired. We're going to go in a boat now because that's where he wants to go. So we're getting into this boat and we're you know, making sure he's comfy with his pillow that it mentions. And, you know, you just have a sleep, Jesus, because you're quite tired. And then you can imagine that as these waves, even though these disciples are fishermen, and so they know that in the Lake of Galilee, a storm can happen at any given moment, okay? So it even says, <coughs> excuse me, even says in the commentary that I was reading, Tom Wright says that the lake is still like that today. It can be completely calm one minute and then a raging storm the next. And these disciples will have known that, but you can imagine as these waves start to gather, if it was me, what I would first be thinking is, oh no, it's going to disturb Jesus. Quick, you know, get the sails sorted. Shh, it's okay, everybody. It's okay. We know what we're doing. We know what we're doing. And then it's not until a little while later when it says the waves are coming up over the top, the boat is nearly swamped, that they suddenly shout. They don't even shout, Jesus, wake up, or anything like that. What they shout is, Jesus, don't you care that we're drowning? 
It's a bit like how we respond in these situations, isn't it? When we're in the thick of a storm, our first response often isn't, oh Lord, please save me, because I know you can. Our first response is often, don't you even care? Have you forgotten about me? Where even are you? It's often our first response, isn't it? I find it interesting that it was the, the disciples' response too. You can imagine them being quite dramatic. How many situations are we in right now where really what we want to scream is, Jesus, save us? What we want to scream is, Jesus, how can you let this happen? Tracy and Gordon shared it earlier on. How can you let this happen? I don't understand. Save me. But what happens next in the scripture is that Jesus got up. He got up and he asked them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? You see, these guys had been touring around with Jesus. They had seen him heal people. They had seen him perform miracles before this. And so I don't think this rebuke is quite as harsh as it sounds. It sounds like what he's saying is, oh, for goodness sake, do you still have no faith? But I think what he's saying is, come on, you've seen me do these things before. You know that I can do these things. And I think it's important to, to notice that there was an action that needed to happen here. And I love that Tracy and Gordon mentioned this as well. There's a decision that has to be made in those moments, isn't there? It requires us to do something. It's not just going to be a passive moment. It required the disciples to shout out to Jesus. They couldn't just sit there quietly. They had to actually alert him and ask him and call on his name. So the three things that we're going to look at today that we often forget and that I believe this passage show us are who he is, who we are, and who has the power. So let's look at what the Bible says about who he is. I had a huge document that I'd pulled up off the internet that literally lists something like 75 things about what the Bible says, who the Bible says Jesus is. You'll be glad to know I'm not about to list 75 things, but I have picked my favorite ones. And I think, you see, what we have to remember is that we've just come off the back of Christmas. And so to the average Joe, if you haven't read the Bible, if you haven't met Jesus, Jesus is a baby, isn't he? He's a baby who's just been born, and yay, we've all just celebrated him and given each other lovely gifts because the wise men gave gifts. But Jesus didn't stay a baby, right? Jesus is this incredible person. Let's look at some of the things that the Bible says. It says in Revelations 1.8, he is the Almighty One. It says, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. He is mighty. He is the Alpha and the Omega. It says again in Revelation, it says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is our advocate. In 1 John 2, it says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He talks to God on our behalf. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. The writer of Hebrews says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus 
died on the cross and rose again and is sat down at the right hand of the Father. He intercedes for us. He talks to God on our behalf. He is our advocate. He is mighty, the first and the last. He has authority. This story is testament to that. But it also says in Matthew 28, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's Jesus speaking himself. You see, he knew exactly who he was. It's why he could fall asleep in the boat. He knew the storm was coming, but he knew who he was and what he was capable of. It also says that he is the bread of life. In John 6, 35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He is the beloved son of God. Matthew 3, 17 says, and behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. You see, there are so many scriptures, and we literally could spend the whole time just talking about what the Bible says about Jesus. But the truth is, we forget, don't we? We completely forget how powerful he is. We completely forget how much he loves us. We completely forget what he has done for us. Because when we're in the midst of a storm, when we're in the midst of chaos, we can't see it. And we're human beings, and so when we can't see something or feel something, it's like it's not there. But as Christians, we have to remember. We have to remember. We have to soak ourselves in these scriptures. We have to remind each other of who Jesus is, especially in those moments. Especially in those moments. We quite often get into the way of thinking that we must become professional Christians. We must become professional prayers. We know how to say prayers and we're going to say them. And we know how to read scriptures out and so we're going to read them. And don't get me wrong, I'm not belittling those things. They are exceptionally powerful. But if we haven't met Jesus, if we don't have a relationship with him, and we've never encountered the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit then it's so much easier to forget. If all we're counting on is having this knowledge in our head, then when the storm comes and we forget that knowledge, where does it leave us? It leaves us grasping, empty, quickly trying to put up sails, quickly trying to get water back out of our boat because we've forgotten all the things that we were supposed to remember. It takes an encounter with Jesus. It takes an encounter from the Holy Spirit. And in a little while, uh, we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and see what he does. Because it's when you have met with Jesus that it counts. That's the kind of stuff you can't forget. You only have to look at the story of Paul, uh, who hated Christians, who killed Christians. But when he met with Jesus and was blinded on the road to um, Damascus, almost forgot, he had this encounter with Jesus when he was healed that he will never forget, and it meant that he went on to become this incredible man who was so passionate about the church that he started the early church and wrote many of the letters in um, the end of the New Testament because he had an incredible encounter with Jesus. And so church, unless we've had that encounter, unless we remind each other of those encounters, Having the knowledge in our head isn't going to be enough in those moments. Chuck says often, we don't want to build the storm shelter when the storm is on us. It's too difficult. We want to build the storm shelter before it comes so that we're ready for the storm. 
I love that analogy. This is our storm shelter. Small groups are our storm shelter. Worshipping the Lord are our storm shelter. But truly worshipping him, not just singing the words because we should. Or maybe not singing because actually we're not really a fan of that song. It really doesn't appeal to us. It's much more aimed at teenagers and so I'm just not going to sing this one. The truth is actually all worship songs should be sung because they're all relevant. The words and us connecting with Jesus, that's what's relevant. Us encountering the Lord in those quiet moments of worship, that's what's relevant. Remembering who he is when we're worshipping him, that's what's relevant. Remembering who he is when we're praying, that's what's relevant. I have a story recently um, of a very good friend of mine who suddenly became very unwell. Uh, It was just not a very pleasant situation. she required emergency surgery. Um, and if I'm honest, it was one of those moments where I genuinely wasn't sure how I was going to respond because I was so cross that it could even happen. Very dear friend, and uh, just all of a sudden, exceptionally unwell. And I had a decision to make in that moment because, of course, in my head, what happened was, oh no, I'm supposed to be the one that brings the good news and you know, knows what to say in these situations. But the truth is, I was terrified. I could see how unwell she was and I could see the direction that this may be heading and I was terrified. But what we did is we gathered, uh, a few of us gathered in the hospital. Uh, They had a lovely chaplain there, uh, chapel, and we literally got on our knees for five and a half hours while she was in surgery. And I'm not telling you this so that you feel sorry for me. I'm not telling you this so that you think, oh, wow, she's really good at that. I'm telling you this because I genuinely didn't know that I was capable of this level of prayer. And I know that Brian and the people that we were praying with, it brought us to a whole new level of trusting in Jesus. We literally prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And then when we couldn't think of anything else to pray, we opened up our Bibles and read as many scriptures as we possibly could and declared, we believe this, Jesus. We believe what it says in here. I can't see it right now, and I'm utterly, utterly terrified. And I'm quite angry, actually, that you've let this happen. How can you do this? This woman is destined for great things. She is my best friend. She's lived through the most amazing moments and the most terrible moments in my life with me. And you are about to take her? Why is this happening? I can't imagine what's about to happen. But I trust you, Jesus, because I believe in you. I believe in your power. You see, it's a bit like what Tracy and Gordon were saying as well, is that we got on our knees and genuinely said, I am angry with you, God. You see, as Christians, I think that we think we can't do that. It's a sign of disrespect. I don't think it is. I think God wants us to be honest with him. I think when we're angry, he needs to hear that we're angry. Let's face it, he can see it anyway. He sees how angry we are and how sad we are. We got down on our knees and we literally screamed out. We were angry, we were sad, we were terrified and we kept going and we kept going and we kept going and the longer the time went on the more and more terrified we were because it was supposed to be an hour-long procedure but I am very happy to tell you that she was back up on the ward after five hours and remarkably well and literally within 24 hours was discharged I know ridiculous utterly ridiculous and it just shows you the power of Jesus 
We were terrified, and I genuinely, genuinely thought we were going to lose her. But through the power of prayer and worship and praise, she's fine. She's going to be fine. I'm telling you these things because I believe that all of us have been in storms, will be in storms, have friends who are in storms and are going to be in storms, and I want to give you some tools. It is okay. It is okay to be angry. It is okay to be terrified. It is okay to be sad, mad, and all other range of emotions, but what matters is you get on your knees and you pray. You worship because you know that there's power in that, and you remember who he is above all else. I think one of the other things is we forget who we are. We forget that when we meet with Jesus, we are made into new creations. And the truth is, I would love to talk forever about this subject. It's one of the bits that I'm most passionate about. So if you're ever talking to me, it's the stuff I always talk about is our identity in Jesus. Because it's so important, so important that we know that when we accept Jesus into our life, we no longer have to live like we used to live. We no longer have to be bound by the things we used to be bound by. We no longer have to be uh, driven by the voice that we often hear in our heads that tells us how rubbish we are, how we can't manage, how this is never going to get better, how terrible this situation is, and who do you think you are? You're not going to manage this. What are you even doing? Leading a church, Tammy, honestly, who do you think you are? I hear it a lot. I'm not... Uh, suddenly protected just because I'm a church leader. We have to decide whether we're going to listen though, right? We have to decide whether we're going to listen to that voice or whether we're going to listen to the many, many scriptures. And again, if you would like a list of scriptures, I can provide one for you because I have many. Colossians 2.10 says, I am complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. I am alive in Christ, it says in Ephesians. I am far from oppression and fear does not come near me, Isaiah 54. I am born of God and the evil one does not touch me, 1 John. I am holy and without blame before him in love. I have the mind of Christ. I have the peace of God that passes all understanding. I have the greater one living in me, greater in me. Uh, greater is he who lives in me than who lives in the world. And I have received the gift of righteousness and reign as a king in life by Jesus Christ. You see, when we really grasp hold of these scriptures, really get it, and we really let it shape our lives and let it sink into our hearts, then we realize that when we partner with Jesus, incredible things happen. The mental health issue that we struggled with, so much easier to deal with when you've fully submitted into Jesus and you fully appreciate who you are in him. There is healing in his name. There is healing in his presence. The physical illness that you're dealing with. Don't lose hope. There is power in Jesus' name. We can see it here. We often listen to our own internal chat, though, don't we? And it's easier to, to hear that. It's easier when we're surrounded by media and by the world to listen to the internal chat that tells us that this situation is never going to get better. You're just, just going to have to get on with it. You're always going to be this way. That situation you're just going to have to deal with it. You're just going to have, find, have to find other ways of coping because actually it's not going to get better. 
It's what the world wants us to believe. And Satan would love to keep us in that place where we're fearful of that. We're fearful of things never changing. We're fearful of the hopelessness. But when we remember who he is and who we are in him, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. And when we allow the Holy Spirit in, there is power in that. I love in the message version, it says, now that he's awake, he told the winds to pipe down. It's very Scottish, isn't it? He told the wave to pipe down and said to the sea, quiet, settle down. He treats them like toddlers. You know, like, shh, goodness sake, settle down, stop running around. You can imagine it, can't you? He uses that tone. Why? Because he knows exactly who he is. And he knows that he has that power. He knows that he has that authority. The very wind and waves listen to him because it then says that there was complete calm. It stopped in an instant. His word went out and it stopped. It reminds me of creation when he's hovering over the earth and deciding what to do with it. And just by his very word, things happen. The stars are flung into the sky. The land is separated from the sea. Let there be light and there is light. When God says something, stuff happens. We often get confused over that, don't we? We often kind of think maybe when we've read all of these things, all these powerful stories that we've read in the Bible, actually that doesn't really happen for us today. That's for them back then. It's so not true, church. So not true. That power is ready and available to us right now at this moment. Look at the incredible things that Jesus is already doing in us as a church. The incredible stories. Listen to one another. I encourage you over coffee at the end and every week, listen to each other because you all have incredible stories of God's goodness and his power in situations. Build one another up in that. So important. Psalm 33, 6 says, The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and the stars were born. We often think in these situations that clearly Satan has way too much power, don't we? Because that's what we can see. When we look at the news and we see all the terrible things that are happening, when we speak to our friends and we realize how terrible their situation is, when we look at our own lives and we realize how many things we haven't achieved yet, or how many things we just want to see Jesus do and it hasn't happened yet. When we look ahead into our future and we're terrified because we just don't know how it's going to be. Or when we look back to our past and realize how horrible it has been and we're a bit stuck. We've got to grasp hold of the fact that God's word has power. So therefore, when we know who he is and we know who we are, and we can come to him boldly in prayer, telling him whatever is going on in our minds. I honestly believe there is power. That power will burst forth. We've seen it time and time again. And we want to see it time and time again, over and over and over. We want to see people's lives changed, right? It starts with us, church. It starts with us pressing in and making sure we have encountered Jesus. Have we really? When was the last time? When was the last time we fully submitted and laid everything out before him? 
Everything that keeps us awake at night, everything that we're worried about, everything that wakes us in the middle of the night, churning round and round and round, everything that when we're in those quiet moments, we're really not entirely sure, has Jesus definitely got that thing? Have we laid it all out before him? I'm a very visual person, and so I literally imagine it. The way I do that is I imagine Jesus sat on my sofa, or I imagine Jesus at the foot of the cross, and I literally, quite often literally, write things down and just give them to him, or imagine putting them in a box and just giving them to him. It's what he wants. He wants us to give him all of our stuff that we are cluttered with and heavy with, so that in return, he has so many gifts for us. So many. And those gifts are not just for us, they're for everybody else, but we can't give them out to anyone else until we've fully received them ourselves. And so when we look at this story of the storm, when we look at the fact that even the disciples didn't quite know what to do in that situation, even the disciples were scared, we realize that one, it's okay to be human. We realize that two, it's okay to kind of forget who he is. But three, the most important thing is to remember who he is. Remember who we are and remember who has the power so that when the storm comes, we're ready. We're ready for it ourselves and we're ready for it for each other. I'm going to leave you with this little analogy before we pray. I don't even know who the author is, actually. It's just a story that I stumbled across. It says, oh, I meant to have one as a physical thing to show you. Never mind. I have a glove here in my hand. This glove cannot do anything by itself. But when my hand is in it, the glove can do many things. True, it is not the glove, but my hand in the glove that acts. The Christian is a glove. It is the Holy Spirit within us, the hand, who does the work. We must make room for the hand so that every finger in the glove is filled and use it to its potential. You see, alone, we can't do this stuff. Alone, we can't stand up to the storm. Alone, we can't go out and tell everyone about Jesus. But with the Holy Spirit... We can do everything. Shall we stand? The words of one of the songs that we sung um, really stood out to me when I was uh, worshipping at the start. I was kind of thinking of the fact that there is nothing that compares to Jesus. And I was trying to find a good way of summarizing that for you guys, or a good way of putting that into words. There is nothing, as, as much as we try many, many things when we're in tough times, worry never gets us anywhere. Fear never gets us anywhere. The things that we might try never get us anywhere. But I love these words. It says, like a candle to the sun. Like a candle to the sun. So our stuff, our, the way we try and approach a situation is merely a candle when compared to the sun that is Jesus. Jesus.